welcome to The Mary Mack Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you find yourself in this great big world, I welcome you. Hello, my friend. Did you have a chance to review last week's episode on what to say to a grieving family member or friend? Did you learn a little bit more on how to support them instead of adding more hurtful words after someone has died or was killed? Did you start to think about how an unkind statement can truly affect them? Did you listen to episode one so you'd have a better understanding of what they are going through, especially if you yourself have not experienced a death of someone important in your own life and haven't gone through the grieving process at this point? I want to commend you for taking the time and being attentive to what will help and support someone you love who is hurting. Not everyone is as compassionate as you. But we realize there is a fine line you walk since everyone grieves in a different manner. So if you still try your best to say the right words and they aren't received well, Please realize their anger and upset is not directed at you. It is just that they are in such an overwhelming state and may just need to lash out because they're just so upset and you got the brunt of it because you are the only person right there for them to lash out at. So don't take it personally. Realize they are hurting and don't know what to do with these emotions that are coming up for them at this time. So thank you for what you are doing to help them. They may realize what you've done for them at this crazy time in their life, or they may just forget it as it's a whirlwind right now for them. But either way, you are strong enough to deal with it and the comfort and security that you provide them will always be calming for them. They will remember you were there for them. Unlike so many who have exited their life when the crisis or tragedy occurred. It is times like this when we learn who our true friends are. Not our fair-weather friends, who only show up when it's time to party but our devoted ones who stick around when times are hard. There are fewer of those in our life, and we learn who are devoted to us and who are not. And while that can be an additionally painful experience right now, it helps us realize who we can count on and who we cannot. And it's at times like this that we start to reevaluate what and who are important in our lives right now. 
We change the way we look at life. We decide what we will tolerate and what we won't. We start to enter a new life now. We shift and make new decisions on how we want our life to look now. And it's all good. We eliminate excess people who no longer need to be part of our life. We eliminate clutter in our surroundings. We realize we don't need all the things we once needed. We begin to value our relationships more than our things. And while it may be hard to transition into this new life we are carving out for ourselves, it becomes much easier and lighter and calming than all the drama from those who really didn't care for us anyway. We get to learn how to gracefully say no and be okay with it. No to the gatherings. No to the extra clothing. No to the other possessions we really don't need. No to the requests of family that we once felt obligated to. We slowly build something new for ourselves. So today, as I promised, I want to speak with you about what not to say to a bereaved individual. Since they are in a heightened state, anything you say to them that might strike them as hurtful will stay with them for a long time. In the beginning, especially during the funeral, we tend to want to console them with what we think are the right words. We go back and forth in our heads and sometimes come up with statements that hurt badly. So let's look at a few, shall we? I think one of the most overused comments is, I know how you feel. Well, unfortunately, you absolutely do not know how they feel. Each person has a unique relationship with grief. And each person has a unique relationship with the person who died or was killed. Based upon how the person died, plus how they interacted together, plus how the bereaved is coping with their death, and a whole host of other emotions, they will never understand why someone would say these five little words, I know how you feel. You are trying to console them by building what's known as commonality, but it doesn't help at all. Think of a circumstance where you are going through a hard time, not even grieving a loved one's death. Put yourself in that place. Could that person who said that to you truly understand all the nuances surrounding your pain and discomfort? Maybe it was a breakup or a job loss or divorce, or financial struggle? Would another person truly understand all the little things that made that situation unique to you? Of course not. They aren't you. They didn't live through that sadness with that particular guy or gal. Didn't have the same job and boss and colleagues. Don't have your exact financial situation. So you see, using those words is inconsiderate and painful, especially when you are trying to help a person who has recently experienced the death of a loved one in their life. Another one is, 
at least he didn't suffer, or at least she didn't suffer. Now, you might think this is appropriate because it's true. He didn't suffer. He died in his sleep, or she had a heart attack and didn't linger. She just simply died immediately. Or perhaps they had a stroke and died quickly. But that still doesn't comfort them. Another is at least she lived a long life. Well, that may be true, but there is never a right time to die. They loved their relative or friend. They had a unique bond with them. And now just wasn't when they wanted them to die. The sad part is we never expect anyone to die before we do. And dying is never expected even when someone has been ill for a long time. Another beauty is, well, at least you can marry again or find another boyfriend or girlfriend. At that moment in time, the last thing they want to do is think about finding another romantic relationship. The one they had was just fine, thank you. And even if it wasn't the best, there is always something wonderful they can focus on after a person has died. And yet another. You can always have other children. As in the case of a couple who endured a miscarriage, Sid's death, stillbirth, or infant death. Do you think they will be thinking of getting pregnant again while at the funeral? Probably not. Once you have experienced the death of a baby, especially if you had a difficult time getting pregnant, went through all types of treatments, like in vitro fertilization, and perhaps spent thousands of dollars to become pregnant, or you wake up one morning and find your child has died overnight in their crib, and no one can tell you why, or you had the perfect pregnancy only to give birth to a child who is not breathing. What about a year or so into their life, they develop complications from birth, or become ill and die after just a few years? No one expects that their journey to holding a baby in their arms or the first years of raising them would ever turn to tragedy. No one. So please, be especially sensitive here. We never know the fertility struggles that a couple went through or the private pain they've endured surrounding that young child. Another similar line is, well, at least you have other children. Wow. That's like saying my other children will somehow compensate for the loss of one. But the person who is grieving will think, but I lost this particular child, and no one can ever replace him. He looked differently than my other children, acted differently, had a different personality, and he was unique in his own right. He could never be replaced. I want that child back. My other children will never be able to take the place of that child who is now gone. Another beauty is, you know, you never really took care of your elderly parents anyway, so I'm really not sure why you're all upset now. Talk about stabbing the knife in the side. Or, 
you can always remarry. Well, let's look at this one. In this day and age of internet dating, and based upon their age, exactly how long does it take to find the perfect partner for you? More than likely, they believe they already have the perfect partner, or close to it. And the last thing they will be considering at their spouse's funeral, or long after, is where can I get my hands on another man or woman? Somehow I don't think so. Just think about how difficult it was to find your perfect partner. Maybe you haven't found them yet. Didn't you have to date many, many people until you even had a clue what was best for you? No one will replace the love they had with their spouse. They just won't. And you know this because you already saw how you responded to and interacted with difficult people you might have dated. No two people are the same. So with all they are dealing with surrounding their loved one's death and learning how to make a new life for themselves, do you really think they want the complication of welcoming a new person into their life so soon? Absolutely not. There is so much to process at this time. It would be unfair to them and the new person if they jumped in too soon, especially since they haven't had a chance to process their grief. So saying they can always remarry isn't on their radar. Encouraging a person to be strong or saying that they are so strong may not be helpful either. They might project that on the outside, but may not feel that way on the inside. They may have pulled out their infamous mask, and it just looks so good right now, but inside they are wilting. And when you tell someone to be strong, well, what if inside they feel like they can't be strong? What if they feel like inside They can't do that right now. They don't have enough strength to run a household alone and take care of four children alone now that their husband is gone, not to mention trying to find a job with enough income to handle it all. Now this mother is the person you want to play Secret Santa with. If you don't know what being a Secret Santa is, It's a person who secretly leaves money in an envelope in their mailbox, not sharing that it was you who left it there. Or you put an envelope under their keyboard at work. Or deliver it in some sneaky fashion so they never know it was from you. And maybe you will get the privilege of hearing them sing the praises of a special someone who just saved the day when they couldn't find the money for the electric bill, car repair, or other vital situation they found themselves in while trying to grieve with all this responsibility. Now let's look at some one-liners that are just horrendous. Just suck it up. Everyone dies at some point. I know exactly what you're going through. They are in a better place. It will get easier. 
It's okay to be sad, like you need to give them permission. You shouldn't be afraid to cry. Thank God you didn't have children. You can always remarry. You can act like you just got divorced. A parent's death is much more painful. At least you can get another wife. You can't replace a parent. At least she or he lived a long life. It's just life. We live, we die, and we move on. It was God's will. He's in a better place. And your friend is thinking, I don't want him in that place. I want him right here with me. Everything happens for a reason. You should be rejoicing. At least she's not in pain any longer. God has a plan. God never gives us more than we can handle. This too shall pass. God needed her more than you do. She's in a better place now. It's time now to have a life for yourself instead of caring for a disabled parent, spouse, or child. It could be worse. And then they go on to compare their loss to the bereaved's grief. Other people have been through much worse than you. You can always get another dog, cat, or pet. I can understand how you feel because I lost my dog. You must accept this. Since you've lost so many folks, you should be used to this by now. It is what it is. Everyone has to die sometime. At least she made it to her 80s. So many people in your assisted living have died. Nothing to be done about it. Just move on. Now that you cremated her, how is her spirit going to heaven? In the case of suicide, people have said, How could you not have known? He was sad. He was not dealing with his life. I guess it's just what he wanted. We all have problems. You just have to look at the bright side of things. If you keep talking to that picture, people are going to think you're crazy. I guess you're the man of the house now, told to a 15-year-old whose father died. If I had to deal with everything you've dealt with, I would have offed myself a long time ago. It's time to move on. Don't you think? And a few that people will say later on during your grieving process. Also beauties. I surely thought you'd be over this by now. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. It's okay. But they're basically saying they don't want to talk about it. It's time to get over this now. I thought you'd be over this by now. You know, I really miss your old self. You've lost all your joy. Stop feeling so sorry for yourself. You're not the only one dealing with grief. 
Grief has changed you, and I'm not comfortable with that. You know, you have to stop being depressed. People don't like depressed people. They don't like being around them. I can't deal with all your crying. Call me back when you've calmed down. It's time to let this go. It's time to let go. You're upsetting your mother, father, sister, brother, wife, husband, child. So stop thinking you're the only one grieving. Stop being so selfish. She's not coming back, you know. It's time to move on. He was a drug addict. Didn't you think this would happen? Just get rid of all their things and you'll feel better. Phew. That was a long list. <laughs> Just going through that list of negative and hurtful statements is exhausting. So don't be those people. Instead, just be there with your friend or relative. Hold their hand. Get them food and water. Attend to their needs. Bring them where they need to go. Visit the cemetery with them. Be kind. Be conscious. Let them know you are there for them. By you listening to this, you are so far ahead of the countless people who exited their life because now they are no longer fun or happy. Spineless and selfish people only are a drain to the bereaved. We are happy to let those people exit out of our lives, even if it's painful to realize it. Loyal and sympathetic friends like you and even new friends they may meet at a support group become their new family. And that's wonderful. Remember, if you tell a bereaved person you will be there for them, visit them, do something for them, then please, please, please follow through. And if you are delayed or can't accomplish it when you say you are, let them know and change it, postpone it, but do it again. It is very painful to know a friend or relative reneged on their promises. Lastly, if you haven't already done so, listen into last week's podcast where we discuss what to say in the positive to help and support a grieving friend or relative. And also listen to episode one. There you will learn what they are going through. So now it's time to get up, or if you're in your car, wiggle in your seat, move your shoulders and dance to the music and have fun. Thank you for joining me today. 
If you've decided to start a gratitude journal of your own, please write five things in it each evening that you are grateful for in your life. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and other episodes where you find The Mary Mac Show on your favorite podcast platform. I'd love to hear what you think of what I'm sharing each week. And if you'd like to learn more about the entire grieving process, you can grab my book, Understanding Your Grieving Heart After a Loved One's Death, which you can find on my website, marymac.info. And remember to be happy because you deserve to. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.